creating space for ideas through listening. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science, a mentoring platform for people-first leaders of all levels. Here, we talk to exceptional leaders who prioritize culture, get fired up about employee engagement, and are excited to share ideas and tools for bettering employee experience to help others. Thank you for joining us to invest in being a better leader. Now, let's get to it. Gut Plus Science listeners, today's episode will inspire you to sharpen your listening skills. For me, it's a reminder that listening is one of the most powerful skills we can focus on as a leader, and it's a conscious daily effort. So many times we read a book or listen to a podcast and it inspires our listening efforts, which this episode will do, but we must create habits to nudge ourselves daily, to be present with our questions and give people our best listening effort. Will Reed, founder of Sideways Six, is here to share on this topic as it is a deeply rooted, passionate message. You're about to hear why. Today, Will and I are going to dig into how we create space for ideas through listening. I'm pumped for this conversation. Listening comes up as a topic in so many of our episodes. That's like a lesson learned from leaders. And Will, I just am pumped to dig into this. Welcome. Where does your passion for listening come from? Thanks so much. It's my favorite topic. So I'm glad you're as excited as I am. I guess my passion for listening is is comes from a couple of different places, right? So first off, I've I've felt what it feels like to not be heard and to not be listened to. It's a super unpleasant thing. And when you have that over a period of time, for me, that was at my first job, my first role out of university, when I joined on a graduate scheme and felt very much like a small piece of a, a massive machine. And we were told what to do, but we weren't asked very often what we thought about it or what we were learning or anything like that. And what that did to me over a period of a year or, or a little bit longer was just very much made me feel not heard. It made me feel like I, I wasn't particularly valued, it made me feel super disengaged. So that always stuck with me. And when I went and did the other things that I did after that, and eventually started Sideways 6, that feeling of finishing the week and not feeling like I'd had any opportunity to input or to be hurt definitely stuck with me. And then I guess where my passion for listening develops is just all of the ways in which listening has benefited me in my life. So my life is infinitely richer for having open my ears and kind of listen to people as opposed to just talk, talk, talk and not look for much in response. Mm. So it's twofold now and it's definitely a passion that will stay with me forever. I love those personal stories that get us to our passion place. When we feel heard, we feel valued, right? And the opposite is so true. If I'm talking and I don't feel heard, feel like I'm not valuable. Tie this into employee engagement and bring to life how a culture of listening drives engagement for the organization. Absolutely. So let's start off with, with what happened with me. So so I had that experience of not feeling heard, not feeling listened to. The company I worked for, I think they were probably doing some pretty good stuff right at the very top, but it never reached me on the front line, so to speak. And I was out of there within 18 months. So it's a great example of how if you don't listen to people, they don't stick around because they'll go and find somewhere where they are listened to. And that's really been my experience as well, having now working with employee engagement leaders and comms leaders and CEOs benefits to an organization that does listen and does listen in a structured way that actually makes sure that action happens as a result of listening are pretty clear and pretty obvious. They are, these organizations tend to be ones where people are engaged in the mission. People are 
engaged in the short-term plans because they've been consulted in, in building them. And they tend to be organizations that are actually benefiting from the information that they find out by listening. So it's not the case that this is a like structured listening and then we do employee ideas. It's not the case that that is a thing to pacify people or it's not the case that that's something just to kind of say you're listening and then not do anything with the information that you find out. That information's gold. That information's so, so valuable. It helps you to improve how you're dealing with customers. It helps you to improve how you're actually dealing with employees. And so there's the second benefit is actually just doing something with that insight and becoming a better company. So creating a space for ideas through listening, listening propels innovation, right? Share common situations where you've seen leaders, they're really the blocker to innovation because of their lack of listening ability or skill. So we use this innovation term quite broadly. It's not the case that innovation just has to be some huge, huge breakthrough that's going to completely change the face of the company. There's incremental innovation. There's continuous improvement that fits into innovation. We've seen ideas turn towards sustainability, towards efficiency improvements. Any of this can be under this kind of banner of, of, of innovation. But you're right to identify that leaders are so, so key in actually making this work or the opposite in, in condemning this. You can have the very best intentions right at the top. And you can have people at the foot of the pyramid who want to be heard and want to contribute. But unless you've got the middle doing the right things, you're not going to actually have this running really, really effectively. The way that leaders act will have a massive, massive impact on, on the success of these types of ideas, programs and of these listening efforts. And some of the things that leaders can do to make them more successful and some of the things that leaders can do to get in the way, some of it's fairly obvious and some of it's slightly counterintuitive. So I guess... First, this all starts at home, right? So with a leader relationship, and maybe potentially we take like a manager relationship or director relationship, they can create tiny bits of space, tiny pockets of space to give people the opportunity to put forward ideas in everyday situations. So at the end of that meeting, instead of going, right, right, I've heard all of your feedback and, or I've heard all of your insight, I'll go away and do something. You could actually turn that into what do we all think we should do next? Or what are your ideas on what we should do next? And then that goes all the way through right to the, the very, very top where leaders can make sure that they have structured ways so that anytime there is some kind of big initiative, some kind of big change, they're also running some kind of ideas listening effort in conjunction with that. So I'll give you an example. Does it feel better to you as an employee to be told the world has changed and we need to be more efficient as a company? Stand by for instructions on how we're going to be more efficient. And by the way, your, your kind of job's at risk. Or does it feel better to be told the world has changed and we need to be more efficient? We're all in this together. How will we become more efficient? You are on the shop floor. You have the insight into where the efficiencies may lay. I would choose the latter every time. And that's the types of leadership, leadership behavior that we see that, that kind of drives this culture and the benefits that I've been talking about. Totally. And I, I like to recenter. We've said this a lot on the show. You know, intention isn't enough. And listening is a conscious habit or conscious choice every day, we don't ever arrive. Like we've done it, you know, it's a constant work in progress to be intentional and conscious every day. Can you bring that to life just a little bit or, or just add on to that where, you know, this is a daily effort and maybe what do those habits look like or those reminders that we have to have every day as leaders to show up this way? How I do it for myself is like before I'm talking about any, we're a small organization of around about 40 people, but before I'm doing anything that, that is asking people to change, 
I'm consulting them on the situation and then I'm asking for their input into how we might get to where we're going, given where we are essentially. And so that's just a habit that I have. Like I have a couple of screens here. We work from home three times a week where I have a post-it note underneath my screen. I have various ones. And one of them just says, listen first. So the first thing I want to do is to involve people in decisions and to listen to them. The other thing that I kind of, I do is, is to track how often something that we're doing in the organization is an idea that came from somebody else or that came from the hippo, the highest paid person or the, the, from the kind of the hierarchy, if that makes sense. And I want more decisions to be made by the people that are closer to the insight that would lead to a better decision. So there's just a couple of like really practical things that you might do. So measure how often it is that these decisions that they made and things that you're working on come from your people versus you or your, or your managers. And then secondly, you can be like me and set yourself reminders to make sure that you're listening first and just check in on yourself and make sure and I'm like truly look at how often you are doing that. I love the word co-creation. I think co-creation is yeah. so key and, you know, powerful questions to help us guide that, you know, listening practice. Just a couple of things there that I'm thinking is how am I as a leader getting better at co-creating with my people? Let's do it together. And mm -hmm. the questions that I ask should be real powerful and we should put, bring a lot of intention to that and then practice those listening skills behind it. The questions that we ask, man, that guides so much. Exactly that. Exactly that. I think question we all know about these days, like the kind of the coaching habit and things like this to help people to ask the power of questions to help people with the situations that they face. Yeah. And actually questions can be just as powerful when you think about situations that you face or situations that the company faces where you want that co-creation, where you don't want to broadcast but where you want to actually make this a two-way experience to get to a better result. There's also a, a benefit that's been studied called the, the endowment effect or the IKEA effect, which basically says that when we're consulted on these, when we co-create things, so be that thing might be a table from IKEA, or it might be a big change program in a company, or it might be a small decision in a team. But when we've helped to build that thing, we place more value on so we, we kind of endow more value on something which we have helped to create. And that speaks to your kind of co-creation point is that it doesn't just feel good. It leads to people taking ownership of those things, placing more value on those things and those things eventually being more successful. Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing. So in creating the space for ideas to be shared, let's talk about what the foundation looks like, you know, and I want to think about this in a couple different ways. Let's say that a workplace right now admittedly is like, we just don't listen well. We aren't co-creating. They might just be in a really challenging spot and they need to shift. Or, you know, we're trying to build out a new kind of culture foundation here. Either one, talk about how you set it up. How do you create the foundation for ideas to be shared regularly? There's a few concepts here that might be worth sharing. And that's absolutely a normal thing that you might come into a situation where the culture is just not one where ideas are shared at the moment. Culture is one where we turn up, we do our work, we take some pride in the work that we're doing, but the processes exist and the, the way of doing things exists. And it's not expected that we would help to, to make that any better. And there's some things that you might consider when you're just going about this journey. And these, a lot of these are kind of stolen concepts from other places that work really well and can be really effective in the employee idea space. So the first would be that of the beachhead. So what's the kind of the smallest possible door that you can open to start to get onto your employee ideas journey? So who is that leader that might be a bit more receptive to, to actually be your first kind of champion and sponsor of um, an employee ideas initiative? 
who is that small audience that's perhaps less skeptical than the rest of the organization? And then use that beachhead and combine that with a concept called the flywheel, which is, it talks about like, what's your kind of one metric that would move the whole flywheel. So in employee ideas, that tends to be number of ideas brought to life. And so if you've got your beachhead, you, you're going for that, that, what's that kind of little warm bit from the cold organization that might actually be receptive to this stuff. You're able to get them to engage and you're able to get leader to engage. You should get to a point where you have a couple of ideas that you might be able to bring to life. And when you have those ideas and you're able to bring them to life, even if they're tiny, tiny little changes, you can then use those to essentially create more engagement and to open up your beachhead. So what we find is that you, as soon as you have those couple of stories of ideas being brought to life, you're essentially kind of starting to thaw that cold organization. You're starting to show people that this is actually an organization where people are heard, where people are listened to, and that it's not something to just be skeptical of. And you can then share those stories. You can really highlight those examples of, of ideas being brought to life and you'll start to change that culture little bit by little bit. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. And some other things to consider if you've never done this before is to not start off by saying to everyone, hey, give us your ideas, full stop or silence. What you want to be doing is, is to be helping them out with some creativity by constraint. So you, you want to be asking for ideas on particular topics and help people to stimulate their responses and also help people to kind of put things forward that are more likely to be brought to life. Because as I've said, the most important thing here, finding ideas that you can bring to life. And so when you're thinking about that creativity by constraint, you might think about, well, what does the organization really care about at the moment? Where's our focus? And could we actually turn people towards that? Could we turn the insight and ingenuity towards that? We might think, what do employees care about right now? We might think, what do employees have insight into right now? In their everyday work, what are they kind of seeing and understanding that perhaps people making decisions higher up are not understanding? The kind of golden position here, the, the best place you can get to is that you are constraining creativity, you're setting a challenge and it fits all three of those things. So not, it's something that the organization cares about. It's something that the, the average employee really cares about. And it's something that they understand and know about. So just to bring that to life, if you're running a construction firm, some of the things that are usually important to construction firms are things like safety and margin through efficiency and employee experience, particularly on site. And the, the type of that question that you might ask people is how do we improve safety to look after each other on site? Because that's something that the organization cares about. That's something that people care about. They have a vested interest in making sure that they're more safe and they're on site all day. So they're going to see ways that this could be improved. And that's where you're going to find the kind of best ideas and start to for that culture. Mm. I love helping to paint a picture of the ideal scenario. And I think this construction example was a good one. I'd love if you can really paint a picture of excellence, sharing a story of a client or a colleague that represents a great workplace, great leadership, demonstrating listening and creativity. So it's really interesting as you go down the, the maturity path, what I've just said is to not start off by asking people for their ideas about absolutely everything. There are organizations that have got that, right? They have got to a point of maturity where they, they are almost like an idea-led organization. Ideas are so baked into their DNA, people understand the value of them so much that you, you actually do have these employee ideas initiatives whereby people are asked to put forward any idea that they think might help the organization. But to get there, people have to have a really big understanding of those three things. They have to kind of intuitively understand what's important to the organization in the really long term through its mission, in the short term through its kind of strategy and goals, and they have to understand that the ideas would feed into that. And we do have some great examples uh -huh. from people that we've worked with on that. We work with a company called Marks Spencer, a retailer here in the UK, 
who run an employee ideas initiative. Their CEO runs it. It's called Straight to Stuart. And it's really asks people for their ideas on how Marks Spencer or M&S can be better. So better for its customers, for its communities, for its employees. The, the amount of stories that are coming out of that every week, every month of ideas that are brought to life and people that are so, so proud and feel so, so engaged to have had their ideas heard are, are amazing. And some of the things that they get right, things like executive engagement. So, so Stuart, the CEO, is it's very much a great example of a listening leader. They meet people where they are. So they kind of go through the tools that people already have access to. They're not asking people to go to ideas.com. They meet them on Microsoft Teams, which everyone has access to within M&S. And they've also done a really good job of kind of as every time an idea is brought to life, passing that back to people. They're showing people, they're training people on what a good idea looks like. And they're showing people that this is more than just paying lip service. But on the other end of the scale is you're earlier on in your journey. You're more likely to run kind of targeted campaigns, basically, where you say, hey, for the next three months, we want to hear all your ideas on this thing that's really important to us. And hopefully is important to you and hopefully is, is, is something that kind of employees have, have insight to. And there's a load of kind of great examples there. We've got customers that are running this around sustainability, customers that are running this around big innovation projects. There's some great kind of campaign led approaches as well. Thank you for sharing. And Will, before we talk about Sideways 6 and your podcast, I'd love if you can summarize your habits that activate your people and their ideas. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's really, really, really important to us. And so we obviously, what's the word? You drink your own champagne, eat your own dog food, whichever one you like. So we always have like employee ideas programs running ourselves. And whenever there's something major, for example, we, we got a new office a couple of years back. And instead of saying, hey, everyone, here's the new office enjoy. I said, everyone, here's the plan for the new office. Let's make it our own. Like a great office to us is one that we really enjoy being in. It's one that we enjoy hosting people in. It's one that allows us to be better than if we didn't have an office. What are your ideas on how to do that? So we're always doing that ourselves. And then I guess on a more day-to-day -day basis, it's all around kind of creating that space and making sure that managers understand the importance of kind of being quiet a little bit towards the end of the a meeting or bringing people into to, to, to a meeting or if there's any major change, making sure we get people together and consult them on, the, on their insight. And there's some of the habits that we have as an organization. Mm, love that. So tell us about Sideways 6, how it came to be and what you all do. Yeah. So as you can tell, I'm a bit of a kind of ideas geek as I talk about it and really, really obsessed with this concept that employee ideas are great for business. And that led me to nine years ago, actually now, starting Sideways 6 and what Sideways 6, our purpose is to help bring good ideas to life every day, everywhere, and from everyone. So we're all around employee ideas and how great organizations can use employee ideas to, to achieve three things. And those three things are to engage employees in, the, in whatever's important to them and create shared ownership of those things. I mentioned with the IKEA effect, it's around increasing employee engagement and kind of making sure that employees feel heard and listened to, which is my own experience. And it's about bringing ideas to life for the benefit of those organizations. And those ideas can be really, really big. So we have ideas that have saved companies millions and millions of dollars or ideas for products that are now on the shelf at retailers that are bringing in millions and millions of dollars. Or they can be small but important culturally. So for example, I've got in front of me, it's called the Speedbird IPA, which is a, a, a beer which was brewed in collaboration between British Airways and, and a brewery called Brewdog and British Airways are a customer of ours and they wanted to celebrate their, their anniversary. So they wanted to say, how can we really celebrate being the best of British? 
and they put that out to employees and someone said, well, we should collaborate with these rising new British brands. We're the kind of giant established heritage brand and we should collaborate with these new brands. And someone suggested doing a beer and then hundreds of thousands of these have now been drunk over the, over the Atlantic. And so the ideas don't always have to be kind of cold, hard ROI, but that's a great example of how we engage people into the things that matter to an organization. We do that basically, we have a, some software that sits within the tools that people already know and love. And then we have all of our experience, which we deliver to, to our customers as well. And you have a podcast, The Listening Leader, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Listening Leaders podcast is, is where I sit down with people who are heading up really big organizations. So typically a few thousand employees plus. And I, I kind of ask them around, and these are people that we've identified care about listening, right? There are lots of, lots of people running these types of organizations who don't care about listening, but these are people that we've identified really care about listening. They do it in structured ways and unstructured ways. And listening has had some benefit to them in their journey to, to, to the ascent that they've got to. And so I sit down with these people and they might be leading retailers, construction firms, they might be leading engineering companies, they might be leading, leading charities. And we really talk through like, what are their principles for leadership and how have they executed listening at scale? Because I'm fascinated, fascinated by it because I've made it a tenant of what I do at a very small scale, but how do you do it when you've got 10,000 people? How do you do it when you've got 30, 40, 50,000 people? And I think some of the things that you learn when you sit down with these people is that actually the micro is just as important as the macro. And every time that they're interacting, say you're a CEO of a retailer, it's all very good putting out the, the types of things that we support, but also every time you're in, a, you're in a store and meeting with people, you need to be asking the question. You need to be listening in, in these kind of micro moments. Some great stories you, you hear around joining these types of organizations as CEO and doing these listening tours. And you can always tell the difference when the kind of listening tour for a CEO is, is something that's very much stage managed, put on by the head of internal comms and in these kind of neat one hour sessions once a month or once a quarter, which is sometimes what happens. Versus some of the people that I've been privileged to, to speak to where the, the kind of listening tour never ends and they'll just stop off. At, there's a, someone I've spoken to who was the CEO at a fast food chain and, and they'll stop off on their way home and just chat. And sometimes they don't know that they're the CEO doing it, but it just becomes these kind of micro moments that are absolutely embedded in how they lead. Listening is one of the most powerful leadership skills that is so often overlooked. Thank you so much for the reminder and the inspiration today. Because, I mean, I really think great listeners make a huge difference in our world. So and they move people forward, which is what we're all about. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to learn a little bit more about Will Reed on the personal side. We'll be right back. If you're leading with a people-first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. Well, welcome back to Gut Plus Science. So we're going to dig into four fun questions, just real quick popcorn answers. First question for you, we are, have an ever-growing five-plus-year list of recommended reading. So if you could pick one book, your favorite book of all time, or a favorite recent read for a leadership audience, what would you pick? I'm going to cheat slightly and, and give you the, the one that came straight to mind was Good to Great. It's been by Jim Collins. I'm sure it's on your list already, but I will, I will add to however many people have recommended it because it's such a phenomenal book for, for leading an organization, and it's so clear 
the insights are so applicable in the short and medium term. I felt like as I was reading that book and I've read it a few times, every time I put it down, there's something that goes in the notebook to kind of pick up on how we could refine our hedgehog con concept or how we could get things, improve things. The second one is a book called, which is my favorite book of all time, which is a book called What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. It's a short story, collection of short stories, fiction. And how that makes me a better, better leader is it just gives me that little bit of kind of creativity. It's just gives you that little bit of wonder. It can, all of this kind of work and business stuff can be, um, I think sometimes it can push you into a box and it, unless you choose to. And this, this books like that tend to give me a little bit more space. So someone gave me a reminder a little while ago to not only read all these business books and to push out a little bit. And that's my recommendation on that front. I mm, love that. And Will, what do you wish you spent more time doing five years ago? Apart from stretching, because I, I feel, I feel, uh, overly immobile for my years. I guess the, the thing for me would be intentionally yep, intentionality. So, so spending more time thinking about where I want to go and how I'm going to get there. And I, I don't mean that just in a kind of goals perspective, but who do I want to spend more time with? Do I want to be spending more time solo and with one or two people or in, in large groups? I think that's a practice that I've cultivated over the last year or so. And it's been really impactful for, for me in terms of just feelings of general well-being and so yeah and being more intentional would be my answer to that stretching and intentionality totally <laughs> game changers both of them oh my gosh that's great what always makes you smile so i i live right on the south coast in england in a place called st leonard's on sea and the sea always makes me smile there's nothing like whether you're in a great mood or a terrible mood going out and looking at roaring waves or complete stillness, but just this kind of big expansion of, of, of kind of nature and realizing that actually it's all right. It's an exciting, exciting world that we live in. And any of your hopes and, and fears and things like that are probably not too big in comparison, in comparison to something like the sea. So the sea is the thing that always makes me smile and my little dog, Jasper as well. Oh, that's awesome. And Will, what's the best way for us to stay in touch after the show? So LinkedIn, Twitter, so I'm, I'm Will Reed on, on LinkedIn and at Will Reed on Twitter. All right, here's your truth you can act on from the episode today with Will Reed on creating space for ideas through listening. Number one, remember, innovation isn't always a huge breakthrough. Innovation can be simple shifts that drive efficiencies. We are everyday innovating when we listen well from sharpening to new creation. Number two, intentions to listen aren't enough. We must practice listening skills and be conscious daily. It's a never-ending journey. Determine your reminders to recenter in your listening efforts every day. Number three, co-creation is key. Ask questions and listen first and co-create ideas and solutions. It does drive engagement. Number four, we can't just ask, hey, what are your ideas? People have to understand the vision and be asked for their ideas to support that clear vision or goal or need. We just left the world a little bit better. Now, go do something with it.